Three billion human lives ended on August 29, 1997. The survivors of the nuclear fire called the war Judgment Day. They lived only to face a new nightmare, the war against the machines. Sabadan Systems Model 101. You're really real. You're like a machine underneath, right? You're not here to kill me. So what's the deal? My mission is to protect you. Who sent you? You did. 35 years from now, you reprogrammed me to be your protector here. This time. Why do you cry? You mean people? Yeah. You just cry. I cannot self-terminate. You must lower me into the steel. No, it'll be okay. Stay with us. It'll be okay. I have to go away. No, don't do it. Donkey lips, Budnick. No. But he's actually like he looked a little bit younger than Ed- Edward Furlong in this movie. Uh, but apparently he's older. That's crazy. <clears throat> Played his character good. Yeah, I just kind of want to like I kind of want to watch all the Terminators now. Just like just have like a Terminator. I'm good stopping right here now. Really? Yeah. I watched. I did watch T three uh, a few weeks ago. When me and uh, yeah. me and the boy were doing that, um, let's get the intro out of the way. Uh, welcome everybody. This is part two of our uh, covering James Cameron's uh, uh, epic time travel tale, uh, the Terminator, and this is part two, the last part of what we consider to be canon, at least. Right. Uh, T two Judgment Day, Terminator two Judgment Day. Um, excuse me. Uh, this movie, of course, was uh, written and directed by James Cam- Cameron again. Uh, William Wisher has another uh, writing credit in again. Uh, came out in 1991. Again, it stars uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger and Linda Hamilton, reprising the roles as the Terminator and Sarah Connor, respectively. Yeah. Uh, joining the cast this time is uh, Edward Furlong as John Connor, Robert Patrick as the T-1000. Um, Earl Bowen is back as Dr. Silberman. Uh, we have... Again, like we were talking about in the Justice League episode, one of my favorite character actors of all time, Joe Morton, playing Miles Dyson. Esapatha Merkerson is is Teresa Dyson. Danny Cooksey is Tim. Uh, And Xander Berkeley is in this of uh, 24 fame, Uh, as well as uh, Jeanette Goldstein, 
who uh, was in Alien. What was her character name in Aliens? It, I mean, they used last names, so it was probably just one word. You know what I mean? Just like Hicks and, and uh, Hudson. Yeah. Well, yeah, because they were soldiers and everything. Yeah. Um, she played Vasquez. That's what that's what Vasquez, was. Vasquez. That's right. That's right. Yeah. So, uh, anyways, um, this is considered to be, and I'd probably agree, uh, the greatest blockbuster of all time. I think it still holds that title. Yeah. Uh, we've had a lot of great blockbusters, right. but I mean, it's very, very hard to top this one. Not only is it telling a great story, um, it has groundbreaking visual effects it's got uh a action-packed and fun story um and and it's it's a story that will will carry on even when the graphics the special effects uh aren't relevant anymore yeah so uh what what were your thoughts watching this today because we watched this together yeah and uh by the way this is some uh late night jazz <laughs> late night doing. yeah we we, we we i don't think we've ever recorded this late before i know we haven't yeah so i'm like <sighs> i know i'm just waking up yeah no, i'm just going to sleep <laughs> no um i mean this is an amazing movie it just it's just one of those movies that, like, you can go with a little bit of time without watching it, but then uh, when you watch it again, it's almost like it's new again in a way. You know, I, I don't know. It's kind of hard to explain that, but, you know. Well, it's because the graphics, they keep up. It, you know, the they do. The special effects, they, they keep do. up. And the action does, and, and it just, so, you know, so realistic. But Whereas other movies, like the special effects may, like, oh, it gets worse over time. Yeah. The longer you go, this one holds up. But it's just it's just really weird because, I mean, again, if you don't watch it for a while, and then, well, if I didn't, since I didn't watch it for a while and then, you know, watched it again tonight, I just kind of was like, wow, this is just some new stuff. You know I mean? It just kind of felt like watching a new movie. You know what I mean? I mean, I remember everything that happened in it, but it still, it still just surprised me, you know, nonetheless, so... Right. But, you know, there's, we, we talked about Terminator 1, you know, last time, and this time we're talking about Terminator 2, and it really holds up as far as, you know, a dual sequel, you know what I mean? And this one holds up a lot better than the first one does. Yeah, yeah. As far as special, special effects, the story right. of the first one is still fantastic. Well, it's funny because they, they look like a lot of, you know, in the first one it was just kind of seemed because they didn't get permits for half the filming. You know, they just kind of rushed through the... I'm not saying they rushed through the movie mm -hmm. in general. Like, I, I thought that at the end, you know, I thought they kind of rushed the end a little bit, but the fact that they they just kind of seemed like, you know, they were just trying to jump from scene to scene because, you know, they didn't have permits, so they had to hurry up and film it before they got kicked out. Right. You know, where this one, it was just, you know, no holds bar, allowed to film as long and, you know, wherever they wanted to, had all the right permits, and so it just... a lot more money. Yeah, it just, like... The first one kind of seemed more like realistic in a way, you know what I mean? Because there wasn't as many special effects that there were in the second one. But in a way, it was also kind of seemed like, you know, they were just like a more of a lower budget in a way. I mean, which which it obviously did have a lower budget. The first one did. But, you know, in the second one, it just seemed like they, they were able to play at that point. Yeah, I mean, uh, 1983 is when they filmed Terminator and it came out in 1984. Right. And Arnold was just coming out, so you know, studio they liked him and everything, but they didn't have a lot of faith in in the in how the movie would do. Yeah. And this was filmed in 1990, released in 1991, and um, it, uh, you know, Arnold was a huge star by then. He had yeah. done Predator, he had done, uh, <clears throat> you know, um, what is it, uh, 
Commando mm -hmm. and Red, you know, Heat and all these kind of stuff. So, you know, he was a big, big thing at the time. And, yeah. you know, and so, of course, the studio is like, oh, yeah, let's let's get this done. Let's throw a lot more money behind it and everything. Um, I do have a couple of things to answer from the last episode or at least bring up. Um, I was re-listening to the episode and um, and the movie as well. And another cool little thing that we didn't really cover in the first episode was uh, what Sarah calls uh, John's dad throughout the whole movie. When he first gets there, he tells her, you know, my name is Reese, Kyle, you know, special forces, blah, 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 or recon or whatever it is. Yeah. Um, so, you know, he, he gives his last name first and his first name last, like a, you know, a soldier might or whatever. And through that first part of the movie, she keeps calling him Reese. And then towards the end of the movie, she's calling him Kyle. Yeah. Like as they get to know each other and start falling for each other. I just thought that was something a little cool that we didn't yeah. bring up. Yeah. And uh, you would ask, um, whenever I said it was the T-800, you said it, I thought it was the Model 101. Yeah. So <clears throat> I went and made sure that we got this right. Um, the T-800 is the endoskeleton. So that's the actual robot part, okay. the metal part. That's the model number, T-800. Uh, uh, Model 101 is like a skin. Okay. So, like, you know, in video the games. The Terminator face. Basically. Yeah, you, well, you know, I mean, in the Arnold face. The Arnold face. So, you know, in video games, you can change your skins or yeah. whatever. So, in this one, um, the, when the, the remember the Terminator that attacked the base in Kyle's flashback in part one? Yeah. Um, and it wasn't Arnold, but it was a different Terminator. Uh, that would be like a Model 102. That's what, like, the lore says and everything. Okay. So, all the 101s look like Arnold Schwarzenegger, basically. Right. right so. Right. <clears throat> Anyway, well, and, and, and he was from. in actually every single one of the movies, right? Like we get Arnold in every Who? single. Uh, well, he wasn't in Salvation. A computer model of him was made. We well, at the very end, but I still kind of count it because yeah, it's, it's. But he had no involvement in that. Right, one. right. But I still kind of count it because I mean, it's literally his face. I mean, granted, you know, computer, computerly done. Yeah, I wonder. Whatever. I wonder because isn't that though? Wasn't that supposed to not happen after the likeness laws that? Uh, that what's his name's changed uh, from Back to the Future. Oh yeah, yeah. We yeah. had talked about that. Uh, his Crispin dad, Glover. Yeah. <clears throat> I don't know. I have to look. But that but the th same thing is, I mean, they might have actually asked him for permission just to use maybe. his likeness, you maybe know, and or maybe you know, you never know that they might have actually signed him some sort of contract after this film or during this film, saying that, you know. We, we want to be able to use your likeness, you know, throughout yeah. any any uh, next projects, even if you're not involved, you know, just yeah, using your likeness. Done that. Or maybe they can get away with it by saying, well, this isn't a real person. Right. This is just a robot. Very true. So Very true. they could have said that. But um, often I called uh, Edward, or not Edward Furlong, um, John Connor. and Wait, Don't we have a, sp a certain section for this? Don't you usually say something? No, but uh, what well, are, our apologies to something or other? Oh, but no, but we didn't make a mistake, really. Okay. So, you know, we were just making sure that, you know, that, you know, we clarified. Right. Um, so, you know, I called John Connor an uh, aberration a lot, which is yeah. which is the right word. Maybe a better word is an anachronism, and that's a person or object or thing that is out of place chrono uh, chronologically in time. Okay. So uh, maybe that's more Kyle. And the Terminator, because they're out of place in time. Yeah, Maybe because John's exactly where he's supposed to be. Yeah, because he doesn't come back in, until <clears throat> the what the fifth one, or he doesn't come back to the, oh, the, the his future self. Yeah, his future self doesn't come back. But we don't count that. Yeah. Well. So, 
All right. So, uh, thing I wanted to get in with this. Um, um, first of all, John John Connor's character, he can't exist without the war and the Terminator. It's a very sad thing, you know, that he uh, he will never experience a life without the threat of being killed, without the threat of war and Skynet and all that, because he's intrinsically linked with it. If they don't exist, he doesn't exist because he has to exist with Kyle Reese as his father. Kyle Reese was born well after him and his mother, so it has to have time travel. Humans never invented time travel. It was the machines that invented time travel. Except, except in the special edition that we just watched. Because remember, Maybe. he's at the end. Yeah, we don't we don't count that that ending. Uh, James Cameron got rid of it for a reason, and, and I want to get into that, but I think it has to do with did they change the future or not? And we're going to go down both roads. So... Um, uh, what do you like most about this movie? Um, what keeps you coming back to it? Just, you know, maybe the relationship between John and the Terminator in a way. You know, just because it was very dynamic in the sense that they they both, you know, were learning from each other. You know what I mean? It wasn't just, you know, a machine learning from John and John learning from a machine, you know because he had plenty of that from his mom. You know, his mom taught him how to shoot guns and she never really taught him how to be a son or, you know, he never really learned, you know, how to have a proper parent in a way where funny enough with this Terminator, especially when they were teaching him to learn, you know, and they set his settings back or whatever his learning, you know, they, they were kind of, you know, he, he was teaching him how to be a child in, or a son, you know, and, and he was learning what a dad is supposed to be like in a way, you know what I mean? Very protective and right. And that kind of thing. And, you know, Sarah even realizes it, you know, halfway through the film. And that, yeah, that's something I definitely want to get into too. Yeah. I like that aspect of it. I like, um, the, what is it? Uh, the urgency of the movie because it, it's self propelling, you know, each scene yeah. goes into the next and you feel like you're always like, you're kind of stumbling forward you're doing that thing where you're stumbling, but you keep walking mm -hmm. faster to catch yourself so you don't fall. That driving motion, that's what this movie has, uh, and, and and a sense of urgency. It's kind of like in part three, Terminator 3. Yeah. Like I said, we can hit upon these things, even though we don't consider them canon. Uh, Terminator 3, uh, what I do like, one of the things I do like about that is how it starts off early morning when it's still dark outside, mm -hmm. and you're in the middle of the same action throughout the beginning and the end of that action scene. The slow, the sun slow, uh, slowly starts to come up, right. and you don't see that often because it's hard to do that with the timing of the lighting and all that kind of stuff. But you, and then you find out later in the daytime, they're like, well, yeah, Judgment Day is later this evening. So that that whole urgency of the movie of you got to get somewhere because something's about to happen. Yeah. Nobody knows it. Everybody's going all about their lives and nobody knows that this is about to happen. And that's represented really well by Sarah's dreams, her horrifying. I don't know if we've ever seen a more horrifying nightmare in any mainstream movies, yeah. you know, outside of horror and different things right. like that, you know. Um so, you know, it's that that sense of urgency where she knows what's going to happen. And there's not one thing she can do. She's, you know, literally and metaphorically standing at this fence mm -hmm. that's keeping her from getting everybody to get up and run and move and, and stop what they're doing, stop the, stop the end of the world. And she can scream and she can shake. And 
bang all she wants, nobody's going to listen to her. She cannot stop Judgment Day. Yeah. That's what I got from those scenes is that as try as she might and try as they do in this movie, they can't stop Judgment Day. Yeah. Part three is not canon, but they do say in part three, you didn't stop Judgment Day. You only delayed it. Yeah. Because I think it was this movie is making the point that that's where mankind's headed. And yeah, they can make attempts at, at blowing up Cyberdyne and doing all these things to delay and to kill Skynet and everything. But it's always heading that way, you know, yeah. because of the nature of man, the, the you know, the, the warring nature of man or whatever it may be, you know, and pushing technology past the limits of what we should yeah. and trying to create these artificial intelligence that might see us as a threat and exterminate us. Right, right. Well, and, that's what and, I saw. You know, again, you know, just kind of get into the whole time, time travel nonsense that, you know, it just, especially with these movies, I, I think they, they did it okay in, in the Terminator movies, but it just made it confusing, I think, you know, I mean, cause, and they even kind of joked about it, you know, Edward Furlong said something about it. He's like, you know, my, my father hasn't even been born yet. You know, I'm, he's 30, you know, I'm 45 when he's born, right. <laughs> you know what I mean? Or, or, you know, whatever I'm 45 when I meet him, you know what I mean? And is and, that what he said? He was 45 when he met? Yeah. He, he was either 45 when he met him or 45. He's not until, well, no, he would have been born. Before yeah. Judgment that. day doesn't even show up till like 35 and he was born. Kyle Reese was born right before judgment day. Wait, judgment day doesn't happen until what's 35. What? 35 years from then no know, judgment day is 1997 that's august right. 21st okay, okay. 1997 so like six years from this period and then john would be 19 19 yep so he's 13 in this movie i believe yeah you know, he's it, either 10 or 13 yeah it, it kind of makes it confusing i think you know and and I, I don't think it really explains it because there's a lot of stuff that doesn't make you know granted the terminators and anybody that's traveled back in time are pretty much in a paradox you know because yeah. because if if they if they weren't then you know the terminator would have disappeared well that's like what that. i'm saying john and skynet and the machines are stuck intrinsically in this loop that will it's, never they're end in fate. they're in fate if one of them were taken out if yeah. one of them didn't exist most likely the other wouldn't exist as well i mean it could you know, Skynet could eventually happen or whatever. Yep. But this this future, they're intrinsically linked. Whereas if one of them were taken out, Sarah would still exist. Kyle would most likely still exist. You know, so that's why John is such a it's such a interesting character because he only exists in this hell. You know, he there's never a time that he exists in peace because if he exists, then. The end of the world has happened. Well, in all reality, I think really Sarah's the only one that is guaranteed to exist because when everything still happens, she's 19. Kyle Most likely Kyle would exist, though, too. Well, you never know. What you, I'm saying is that it's impossible for John to exist without this war that led to yeah, time travel. Yeah, yeah. It's impossible. It's still possible well, for Kyle to be to yeah. exist. Everything There's still all these infinite you know possibilities, multi-dimensions, string theory, all this kind of stuff. But... Um, John only exists yeah. with this war future. Yeah. There's never peace for him. Well, that's why, you know, it's like you know, when those Terminator, that Terminator went down and then the T-1000 went down and everything else like that. And then they burned up everything. It was like, you know, why didn't 
John just disappear? You know, and you like your you like to eat your dessert first, don't you? Well, I'm just saying, like, like why wouldn't why would John still exist? You know, and that's okay. The well, that's good that you're asking that because that was my next question. Let's 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 put our mark right here at the beginning of the okay. episode. Do you believe they changed the future or not? No, no. So you don't believe that they stopped Skynet and that everything they did by the end of the movie um, changed the future. In 1991, I would have thought that. Yeah. But anything beyond that, you know, until part three came out. But even if those that. never happened and you were left to decide on your own. But the problem is, is they did happen. That's why it's I know. But try to, to forget that. that. Try I'm to trying, forget those. But I, it's very hard. I don't believe they changed the future. I believe. No, I, I don't. I don't either. I agree with you. Yeah. On that. That, but I'm just saying, like, <clears throat> they said the future is not set here. Let me read this. The future is not set. There is no fate but what we make for ourselves. That's the key part, I think. It says there is no fate. It doesn't say there's no fate but what we make, meaning mankind, mm-hmm. or what you make, or mm-hmm. the the universal you, or whatever, yeah. right? There is no fate but what we make for ourselves, meaning Kyle, meaning John, meaning Sarah. They can, and, and the reason is, I believe, is because of where Sarah, what road Sarah was going down by the time we meet up with her in Terminator 2. Okay. There is no fate but what we make for ourselves. What I think was happening was like she didn't, she no longer, she, and maybe at one time she did, but she doesn't see her son as her son. She doesn't look at him with no, lo- love. She looks at him as a symbol. She looks at him as the last hope, and that's how she treats him. She is becoming like Skynet, she is becoming yeah. like the machines not able to empathize she's not able to have that connection with him and i believe that john played this the way he did to save sarah's soul that's what i believe terminator 2 is about is bringing sarah back to humanity because how can she teach him if she can't you know basically she needs to learn the value of human life just like the Terminator needed to learn the value of human life, because that's and that's what the whole Miles Dyson scene was about. She was gonna just go kill him because of something that he didn't one even mean to do, yeah. and two hadn't even done yet. Yeah. So when do what do you draw that line? Like he hasn't done anything yet. Can you can you be justified in killing him? If he hasn't done anything yet, just just because you have knowledge that he's most directly responsible. And that's why I think that she stops. Like, like she was far away. She was going to snipe him, and she was going to do it. I mean, she she pulled the trigger and everything. It was only because his son was saved, mm-hmm. uh, or his his son saved yeah. him and everything. But, um, anyways, I I, I think that uh, we we have to kind of get behind the mechanics, and we have to cert, cert, set certain boundaries, okay, for ourselves yeah. during this conversation. Okay, so the way I see this is. Um, Nothing in part one changed the future. Do you believe that? Yeah. Do, you, do you believe that part two is taking place in the same timeline as part one and the future that Kyle came from? I, I don't even think that, I mean, we, obviously we know this, but Sarah doesn't even think that they changed anything. I mean, she, she doesn't know about the arm and she doesn't know about the microchip and stuff like that. But in her her mind, she's still going off of what Kyle Kyle Reese told her. You know, and she is still preparing, you know, wanting to prepare herself and John for the what the uh, upcoming events. Right. And Judgment Day still took place, yeah. place on the same day as it did in the first movie. Yeah. 
part three and past this was the only one that yeah. t- changed the date and everything. But you know what I mean? Like, like I don't even think that's why I don't think that too. I don't think they changed anything in the first one. And Sarah didn't think that even, even though she didn't know about the arm and, and how, it, how basically, you know, she was kind of responsible in a sense about not destroying everything. Well, that's that the thing. Found. John had to allow Skynet to so that he could be born, so that he could bo- be be born and win the battle, or you know, win the war. Ultimately, he had to basically. John had to sacrifice the world yeah. to win in the end. Yeah. So, so if if they didn't change anything, this is the only timeline. What Kyle said happened whenever he came over is that. I came through, nobody else comes through, and they destroyed it after I left. How does Kyle know that John actually destroyed that time machine? He doesn't. No. Because no. he went through. He was just told it was going to be destroyed. Now, Well, what? and we find out about it in Genesis that, that yeah. you know. I, and, and I know you don't yeah, want to keep on including no, it. No, and that's fine. And you, like I said, we can call go over there to, just to kind of make points and everything. But um, we kind of have to do, if we're considering one and two, the only thing there is, we have to do Canada. some guesswork. Yeah. Right. So... What I think, well, and that's what Genesis is for. It's just to fill in those little tiny plot holes that don't that, need, that didn't that, need that to didn't be, really need to. And that was just that director's or right. writer's interpretation of what they think happened. So right. this is our, or at least yeah. this is mine. I want to see what you think. Yeah. So what I think happened was that um, Kyle said they had won, right? And one last ditch effort, they sent the Terminator back to kill Sarah before John could be born. Right. But they said he said they had won at that point. Okay. <clears throat> So what I think has happened is that to cover their bases, because they're computers, they look at the two times, you know, they they had a chance to send back um, uh, somebody back in time. Why would they not send back more than one? I mean, honestly, why wouldn't they send like 500 back at different times? But I think they sent two back. I think think they sent a T-800 back to kill um, Sarah, and then I think they sent the T-1000 back to kill John just in case that first one failed. So I think they sent them both at the same time. They just went to different times. One went to 1984, one went to 1991. When they came in, John knew that that's what happened, but he didn't tell Kyle. He didn't tell Kyle about the T-1000 because he didn't need to know, and he didn't tell him that that John has a T-800 that he's going to yeah. send back to because he didn't need to know that. But it's also that T-800 said, you know, literally he said um, the T-1000, there wasn't, um, quite a few of them. There, were, this was a this prototype. Was a proto- this is the only one. Right, right. So, right. So, in a way, you know, because knowing, if there was a bunch of about this pro- prototype, you know, they they had nobody else. Nobody else in the right. resistance would have known about it. Yeah, because it was a prototype, or or else they would have had tons of T one thousands all over the battlefield. Probably would have wiped out humanity real quick because right, these right, things right. are crazy. So it's so, kind of a last ditch effort. Yeah. Saying so that, here, let's send this one to 1984. Let's send this one to 1991. That's all we can do. That's all we know how to do. Yeah. Um, and uh, John, knowing the T1000, if the T800 couldn't do his job, T1000 could most likely do his job. Yeah. I think when John sent Kyle back, then he he had this T800 that he wasn't telling anybody else about that he had reprogrammed. Yeah. And right after he sent Kyle, he sent the T800 to 1991 as well, knowing. Because he's lived through it. Yeah. What happened? Well, we find out. That's that, what I believe yeah. happened. And then destroyed the time the time machine yeah. and left it to fade after that. Well, and he found, you know, again, you know, you tend to, find, and again, the Genesis did try to fill that plot hole in, in the sense of saying, you know, that, that time machine got ex- 
destroyed right when right when uh, Kyle Reese got sent back and everybody else you know and so but again I I'm with you on this one I'd rather think for myself and 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 come to my own conclusions I think it makes more sense because that's just way. that's just like somebody sitting next to us and having a different conclusion than we did yeah we do it doesn't mean he's right it just means that he had enough um popularity to be the director of this particular right. movie to fill in his own ideas of his holes in these previous movies where you know with and i agree with you that you know that he did send those two back you know primarily at the second time because here's the thing if he would have sent that or if they would have sent that t1000 to 1984 that would have been a very short movie yeah, can you imagine Kyle Reese against that guy? Oh man, he he wouldn't even stand a chance. And so, like you know that John, and and then also that T eight hundred, you know, you want to say, and again, we know because of the other, you know, the following movies that you know that T eight hundred, you know, and I thought this before that movie came out. You know, he molded John more. You know, it was like, you know, uh, Sarah Connor gets the clay of John John Connor and shapes it somewhat to to the human aspect of it, but not to the soldier aspect of it, you know? And that's why it's kind of ironic that, that, uh, um, uh, Sarah Connor taught him how to be a soldier and how to be more, you know, more of a robot where the T, the T one Oh one or T 800, whatever, uh, taught him how to be a more of a human. And that's why, and, and not only him, but Sarah, because yeah. John wouldn't have been able to be who he was if Sarah what continued down what she was doing, she yeah. would have turned him into this person who had little regard for human life mm -hmm. and was all about the mission of destroying yeah. no matter what it did to humans. But that wasn't John. John was a, a pacifist. pacifist. And we've, we've talked about yeah. this, you know, it, it, you know, it's the same thing. Like if she had killed miles, she would have been lost. And I think John through the Terminator taught his mother to value human life over everything. Yeah. I think that her his mother was seeing in the Terminator what she needed to see in herself. Because, you yeah. know, she even said, if a Terminator could learn the view value of human life, maybe we can too. And I got more yeah. to say about what the Terminator well, and, did and didn't learn. And, and you, we learn earlier on, you know, early on in this movie that, you know, she didn't teach John how to be a pacifist. She, there's no way, uh, you know. No, that's the way John's nature. Acted, that's John's natural nature. Which I feel would kind of be like his Reese. dad, maybe. Yeah, yeah. But, but his mom was like that, you know, before Kyle met her, too. So he could yeah. have gotten it from either. But, but you know, even even in the first one, you know, Sarah Connor was still kind of, again, like I was telling you, the only time she cried throughout the whole movie, her character cried throughout the whole movie, is when she found out Ginger died. Yeah, and I think that John learned the value of human life through losing his dad because yeah. he never got to meet his dad. Yeah. And the fact that he didn't, that his dad died and he lost that life. Yeah. Like, yeah, he knows that eventually he's going to meet him again one day yeah. and everything, but it's not the same. Not you know, the same. He, he wants that father figure. He never had that father figure. So he's very sensitive to, um, to human life to yeah. when you first when we first meet him on screen he's a jackass you know yeah. he talks crap to his step parents he's he's an awful kid yeah he uh you know he hates his mom and all this kind of stuff and he's he acts tough with his friend and everything like that once everything changes and he realizes the terminator's real his mom was right she's not a psychopath she was really trying to save his yeah. life and everything that's when that rough exterior dropped pretty much and you got to kind of see the real John, and and I think Edward Furlong did a very good job in oh, absolutely. in uh, showing us this this kid who was 
desperate, desperate for his mother to love him. Desperate and direction for his, for, and, for his life. And direction, yeah, yeah, which he now sees yeah. as the Terminator I mean, as he believes I mean, him. I mean, she, she's kind of gave him that direction, you know, she from the day he was born, you know, in a sense, but it was her fate that she was directing, or her idea of fate, which is what she was directing uh, him to, but he fought that, you know, because that's not who John is, because he, his idea is a pacifist. For one, he didn't believe her, you know, after right. a certain point, but uh, he, again, being a pacifist in a way, you know, his fate, he wanted his fate to be something different. He just wanted to be normal. He didn't want to be the the savior, and even he jokes about it with the Terminator, you know. He's like, I'm supposed to be some great savior, you the know. Military but, leader. Yeah, that's not the way he, he envisioned his future and his fate to be, be like, where Sarah knew where his fate was supposed to be, but... She the way she was she was driving him there. She wasn't she wasn't slowly pushing him or training him and, and what is and the coddling point? him. What's the point of being human if you can't if if you're just about the next mission? Yeah. Yes, there's this stuff coming. There's the future. I need to train. I need to learn this stuff. But we cannot shove aside our human feelings, our love yeah. for each other, uh, showing love for each other, and putting that above everything else. We can't put that aside. Or else we're no better than the machines. Yeah. We're no, you know, we, we just become them. And so that's why he told the Terminator, you got to learn this stuff. It's important yeah. because, you know, he's thinking if we become like them, we have no hope in this war, you know? So, well, yeah. and, and, and one thing I noticed with this too is that, you know, Sarah, she wasn't treating John like her, her son. She was trying to treat, John basically like a soldier in training, you know, somebody in boot camp where where if you notice the only kind of point where she was weak in, you know, in, in, in talking about like this in a way, I'm not saying that she's weak because of this, but, you know, her her she was weak because um, when it came to Kyle Reese. Like she was solely focused on Kyle Reese. She she didn't even treat her kid like a son. She wasn't trying to save John. She was trying to save the future. Yeah, she never you know, connected with John. She like never she connected did with, with Kyle. Well, and and that's the thing. You know, she even her dreams. Her dreams wasn't about her son. Where like me and you, you know, our dreams. Well, <laughs> you have some dreams that are just about burning a nuclear fire. Right, but right. You're talking about the hallucinogen dreams where she sees yes, Kyle. yes. But right. but that's what I'm saying. It's not about her son. About holding her son. You know, and dreaming of of being being. You know, it's it's to save son, her son from terminators and it's to it's watching save. and watching her son die in nuclear fire yeah, because yeah. they're not doing anything about it right right so you know the only thing is, is it seemed like her only care and it and it stopped at a certain point in the movie but her only care was kyle reese like that's really her goal like she just didn't want to let him down you know she was still in love with him it was mentioned several times even by uh john that you know she was still in love with him and you know she there was no other real real guys in her life you know what i mean and where where her her love was all just that. who she could learn skills from right 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 and and so but it was always about kyle reese and, for her yeah and and the future of the mankind not, she was just not, getting training from other dudes right right and she was she was just training her son like a soldier like a drill sergeant would train a soldier yep. one mission now, to the next <clears throat> where that changed was when she went to go try to kill uh, Miles. Miles, and in that moment, because then she says, "I love you," and 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 I hate to get ahead of it like that, but I, I just want to point push to that fact that up until that point, 
she didn't care about uh, Kyle as a son. That wasn't her John. John <laughs> as a son. Right. That wasn't her son. Right. But it wasn't. The, it wasn't her son. It was the future leader of mankind. Correct. Um, yeah. So um, the way I see it is uh, the you know the machines in the last ditch effort right before they were destroyed they sent two back. Uh, just to be sure, you know, they're all, you know, I'm sure uh, machines are about efficiency and redundancy to cover all their bases and all that. So I think they did uh, the way he did it. And yes, John did it because that's what he told himself he did. You know, maybe he never came up with the idea himself. He just knew that he was supposed to do that. So he did it. But there's got to be some part of him that has that free will to say, yeah, I'm going to do that, you know, because he could just not send him back. But yeah. He, he knew what Kyle grew up with. He knew Kyle only grew up, you know, he never knew his father. Yeah. So he knew his father only grew up in misery, never had any happiness, mm -hmm. anything like that. So I believe that he was okay with sending his father back because he gave Kyle the gift of being with the one he loved before he died. Yes, it's self-serving because then John can exist, but it's, it's you know, I think it's that way of, of, of him doing that. He could have sent back another, uh, you know, uh, whatchamacallit. He could have sent back just another soldier to fight the T-1000. Yeah. It wouldn't have been good. He sent back the T-800. Uh, he, he had to have it be a machine because he needed Sarah to learn yeah. the value of human life. And she's going to learn that by what she sees in the, ter in the Terminator herself. Uh, you know, I believe that this one was about saving the soul of Sarah, who was almost lost when it came to valuing life and, and you know, and, and who saw John not as her son or as a child, but as a symbol, you know, an object to be yeah. shaped, uh, you know, with her going one way and watching John turn the machine the other way, you know, because of John's nature mm -hmm. and everything. So, well, and that's the, that's the thing, too, is that, you know, what made up John was Sarah and the Terminator, you know, the T-800. That's what that's what created John to be who he was in the future i feel like you know it wasn't it wasn't kyle because you know he really knew knew very little about his dad you know i mean he knew who he was but he didn't know much about it but it took you know the humanity of the terminator and and the tr and the military training of his mother that created who he was and i feel like that's why you know that he had to send that t800 at the time he did yeah i think instead of trying and uh, what the movie says it's going to do is it's going to teach and put a little bit of humanity in the t800 yeah but what it ends up doing is putting a little bit of humanity back into sarah yeah because um the term the, the sarah represents uh skynet and the terminator the machines right mm -hmm. her disconnect from humanity yeah that's what that's what Sarah represents in this movie, and humanity is represented by John, right. or at least the best parts of humanity that yeah. are pacifists that that don't want war, that 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 you know hates uh, mm -hmm. evil and struggle and death and all that kind of stuff. So um, I think you know the T eight hundred. He gets as far as he could go. I don't think he becomes self aware. I don't think he uh, is able to empath empathize. Um, I think he understands, he finally learns and understands what it means to be human. Um, but he, he can't, he can't, um, he can't ever experience it. Yeah. So he understands it, but he can't empathize. He can never experience it. He'd never be able to experience it. And that's why at the end he says, I know why you cry now. Yeah. I understand it. Yeah. But it's something I can't ever do. I can never experience it. I can't be part of that. 
So, yeah, a lot of people, I think, put try to put a lot more emotion into the T-800 by the end of the movie. I really don't think it's there. I used to. I'd be, I used to be like, oh, he learned. He was a self-aware robot. Finally, we have. No, he wasn't, you know. And, and on top of that, you know. He it, states it outright yeah, that he wasn't. Yeah, and, and he makes about a day. You know, they do all this stuff to help him learn. And then after a day, he's gone. You know, Two so days. Yeah, well, yeah, the day of learning it, or whatever. It, it, it's kind of pointless, but, you know, that was more but for John than it was for the T-800. And Sarah. And, Sarah, and, yeah. and like the. The way he said, I need you to learn these things, that's important. That line is in there, even though the Terminator ended up dying a few hours yeah. later or whatever. You know, so um, it's about, it's really, I think it's really speaking to Sarah, but. So we get, you know, get actually to the. Uh, the Go ahead and introduce the opening scene. Okay. <laughs> so we get, we get, uh, we get to see Arnold first, you know, I mean, that's probably, they were just like, you know. We After, know. well, can we talk about the futuristic scene? Oh yeah, scene? go ahead, go ahead with that. Well, I just wanted to say it's, 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 uh, 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 this, I mean, of course, is a kickoff testimony to. The, the special effects team, Stan Winston, and all the people that worked on this, these these special effects still hold up today. Uh, there's a special effects channel with, with some special effects uh, Hollywood people. They have their own YouTube channel where they take on challenges to like recreate uh, CGI and special yeah. effects, try to make it better. They actually made Luke's intro in The Mandalorian made him look way better than whatever Disney did. Wow. Uh, using, um, what is it called, uh, deep fake technology. Yeah. They were able to make uh, Luke look, and I'll show you afterwards, it looks amazing. It actually looks like a real person and yeah. not like a video game character mm -hmm. like Disney came out with. As exciting as that scene was. Yeah. But um, so anyways, uh, they they tried to recreate the T-1000 melting through the, the prison bar or the, the, the bars and stuff. And they they did it. They did an all right job, but they're like, we, we can't even do it as well as they did. Wow. And these guys are amazing and everything. But they're saying this is why this technology still holds up today. These graphics still hold up today. Yeah. Revolutionary. I mean, what they used for the T-1000 and the liquid metal, that was the first Photoshop. Yeah. It, it That technology, it became the first Photoshop, you know, version one. Yeah. So, I mean, they, they were way ahead of their time doing, yeah. doing that kind of stuff. So... Anyways, you see the whole opening scene, the battle scenes, uh, how far the T-800s are. You know, at the uh, in, in the first movie, you had to wait until the end to see the full-on, you know, but, chassis. Yeah. You know, yeah. and uh, in this one, it's the first thing you see, you yeah. know, something stomping on a skull. And, and there he is. They're walking around way better than the stop motion like it was in yeah. the first and stuff. So um, great battle scene. You got some good uh, voiceover from Sarah, giving some uh, very dark and ominous uh, dialogue set up for the future. You see John, I think is a real good uh, adult actor because it's not a famous actor. It's a nobody that you've never seen before. Mm -hmm. And that's good because it doesn't take you out of the movie. You got, he's got these scars on his face. You believe that this is a tough and hardened guy yeah. that people would listen to. And as it zooms in on his face, you know, she gives that ominous, uh, it's just a matter of who we get to him first, you know, and then it starts off and you're just like, oh, it's going to be a cat and mouse. Here we go. Yeah. It's going to be awesome. As the credits go, you get to see a slow motion version of basically the entire world being wiped out by nuclear fire. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's, it's showing basically this is judgment. It's showing judgment day in the titles. You see this yeah. fire sweeping across the playgrounds, which you'll see later on in the movie and everything. Uh, it, it pans across these uh, these little springy horses that are in, and pigs and stuff that are on playgrounds, and that's supposed to represent the four horsemen of the apocalypse. Yeah. You know, different things. It's just so tragic and so beautiful at the same. I mean, I, 
they must have used like like uh, flamethrowers or something to because I mean it's not CGI. Uh, there's a little bit of CGI fire mixed in there, like when the face is coming towards the screen yeah. and everything. But I mean, it's a very powerful and the the updated uh, theme. Uh, it's not just like the 80s little, yeah. you know, digital uh, keyboard <laughs> thing. It's like real, like, like you know, strings and sweeping music. This one is cinematic. This one is dire. This one is last chance to fix things, you know, if you yeah. can or whatever. Well, you don't hear, you don't hear the, the classic guitar. <laughs> yeah, the classic guitar. And then, boom, it starts off, and here we go. Here's Arnold. Yeah, and so Arnold Cro- comes uh basically not not necessarily crashing down like poor kyle reese's uh uh, stunt man but you know you see you see the crater you know what i mean it's it's like they're trying to refine it you know what i mean and 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 in a way you know that's the only difference that you would say okay maybe they didn't send him at the same time because why did kyle reese's guy just drop from the sky and then arnold just came out perfectly uh formed in 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 a a whole circle and then taking out half the truck tire which should have probably just fell over to one side you know or at least the bottom half but somehow it was staying (laughs) somehow that tire uh, half a tire where you could see the opening was still inflated enough to keep it up off the ground so he goes he ends up in a some some hole in the wall biker bar type situation and uh you know just basically messes up all these tough guys just to get some clothes and and you know uh it was kind of ironic because it was like, come on, you know, after the first guy kind of um, st- uh, stabbed him or actually when the first guy put the cigar on his yeah. his chest, you and know, he didn't and, react. Yeah. And then one guy, try, you know, stabbed him or attempted to stab him. You would think they would just stop hitting him and just kind of move out of his way. Yeah, you know what I mean? Or just run just let him. Yeah. But they thing. were like, OK, well, oh, let's see. Let's burn him. Nope. Nope. That didn't work. Let's stab him. OK. Well, they're tough guys. They yeah. Can't let, run let, away. Let's hit a, a pool cool cue over his head. OK. None of this is working. He's either high on drugs or he is a robot from the future, you know, and they should have probably stopped at like, which is what the the cops said that he was in the first one. How did he knock that window? I was probably high on angel dust. But, you know, so finally gets his, his suit of armor, you know, I call it and, and his bike, you know, his, you know, and, and it's a lot of times when you think of Terminator and you think about these movies, especially T2, you think, you know, Arnold's got this motorcycle, right? And uh-huh. he only really has it in like the first quarter of the movie, really. Yeah, he, he poor poor thing gets left at the mental <laughs> hospital. Yeah, at the mental hospital. But you know, you always think about it. You're like, oh man, he must have had that. You know, you think in your mind, if you haven't watched this movie, oh, he had that that motorcycle the entire movie. Nope, <laughs> no, only when, like the first quarter. When it's up to him, he gets all the cool stuff. He's like, I'm going to get these badass clothes. I'm going to yeah. get this badass <laughs> bike. I need the shotgun. This will be sweet. Ooh, some sunglasses at night. Yeah. I don't need these, but I got to put them on. He's like, oh, no, he doesn't guy. want to burn his eyebrows. Right. And then when he gets the humans, he's like, man, they always jack up my stuff. I'm now I'm in a stupid station wagon, <laughs> all this kind of stuff. I mean, what am I doing? But that's here? what I'm saying. It's like, like you, you always think of Terminator as having the shotgun, the sunglasses, the leather, ensemble and then the the uh the motorcycle but in the first one he didn't have the leather ensemble he didn't have the glasses for very long and then in the second one he had the leather ensemble with the with the glasses and the and the motorcycle and the shotgun and he didn't really have it for that long you know for a lot of it you know i have that on my notes why sunglasses okay so I want to talk about the sunglasses because even something as little as the sunglasses, James Cameron does something with it. And I don't know if you picked up on it. So Arnold at the beginning puts on the sunglasses. You're still not supposed to know if this guy's a good guy or bad guy. Yeah. Okay. So the way it sets it up, 
is man he roughs these people up he throws people out the window could cause concussions throw this other guy he's breaking people's arms and everything now he hasn't killed anybody but you get the sense that he could and would um so you don't know what this guy is that when when the t1000 comes through he comes as a cop he well yeah yeah trusted cop or whatever trusted person but when he he gets when he takes the cop out you don't really see him stab it you You think maybe he just punched him or knocked him out choked him out whatever so you're still supposed to think this is a good guy yeah and he's got these eyes where you know he's got you know he can blend in he's this so in the first one you know, Arnold had sunglasses throughout the whole thing. Yeah. Even yeah. when he'd get damaged, he'd get other sunglasses yeah. or whatever. And sometimes it was to hide his robot right, right, eyes right. or whatever. But Kyle never never had sunglasses. In yeah. this movie, the T-1000 didn't have any at the beginning. Yeah. He was just the kind guy, whereas the Terminator had the sunglasses. As soon as both our heroes, which is John and Sarah, yeah. as soon as they both find out that... This guy is a Terminator, but he's a good guy. He's on our side. And then they look at the T-1000. You know, that's whenever that chick breaks his sunglasses, yeah. you know, and everything. This T-1000 comes through. After that scene, you know, he gets on. The T-1000 finds his motorcycle, yeah. and he's wearing sunglasses through the rest of the movie. Yeah. And Arnold's got him off, and he's learning to be more human. So you need to see his eyes. You yeah. need to be able to see into his human eyes and everything. So... It's got those little. It's got that symbolism in there, just with the sunglasses. Of, it's you. You. It's kind of. A, it's supposed to trick you out, and then right when you realize, okay, this was. This is a good guy. It switches, and now the bad guy really is wearing sunglasses. Well, and like you were saying, you know, with the T one thousand, make him he, less human. He he comes in, and he's dressed as a cop, which you know it. it most people, when they see cops, I mean, protect and serve. You know, protect and serve. Nowadays, it's there's not as there's not respect for police officers. Which on this show we do uh, respect our police officers and we do support them. We but, we respect the, the police officers in general. Yeah, um, yeah, not any that abuse their power. Absolutely right. But we we you know we're supporters here and and you know. If you don't like that, I'm sorry for you. <laughs> but, but you know, I mean, the thing is, is one one thing I asked you a question on, and I think you have a theory on it. When we see the T-1000, he doesn't copy the cop that finds him first that he ends up, you know, TM-1000 ends up getting his car because yeah. he needs the car so that he can track down John Connor and find out everything about him. But he doesn't, he comes out. Looking the way he does, he's always instantly. Robert Patrick. He's always Robert Patrick. That's like his set point, he goes right set to normal point. Right, and and my theory on it. This is what my theory is. I'm sure you have a better one, but my theory I don't on know it is better. Is, but I do have one. This is one of the main things I wanted to hit. So right, ahead. my theory on it is that's was somebody, some scientist in the future that created the T1000 that modeled it after him. So he came from the future looking like that character. Which I, I'm, I've got a feeling that maybe some scientist or something like that, or whoever created him, got it out of database somewhere, and and you know a cop during that time period maybe. I can see that. And and so he came looking like Robert Patrick, mm-hmm. you know. But he because if 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 he just came out like a a, a mold of of metal. You know, he no would have co- or whatever. Yeah, he would have copied that first cop, or right. they would have had Robert Patrick as that cop finding him first and him mimicking and they could have they could have had him roll up 
have him get stabbed by something and then he gets back up and you're like wait is that the cop or is what's going on yeah because maybe you don't know because you're not supposed to know he's liquid metal yet yeah you don't see that he's liquid metal until he comes out of that explosion of the truck like a good 40 minutes into the movie and i think i think the look of robert patrick is what they were going shooting for to to kind of trick people into thinking okay is he the bad guy or is he the good guy i think that he had just had that face that he's uh, less imposing yeah than yeah. arnold so you're supposed to think that right. maybe he's just human and that he's going to be our hero protecting john yeah. because sarah had a human too mm-hmm. and you wouldn't immediately jump to now we're using machines because remember we're humans in the future we don't trust machines yeah now, i i kind of feel like 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 you know I w- if i were to ask james cameron any question it would be why did you choose Robert Patrick to be your police officer, to be your T-1000? Why did you choose him in particular? Because I would love to hear his his reasoning for that in a way. You know what I mean? That would be the only question I'd ask about these Terminator films. Well, I'd, I let's see if you like my answer. Okay. Um, <clears throat> I think that the T-1000 is Skynet. I okay. think that... It chose Robert Patrick's body, face, whatever, because it chose to do that. Because remember, Skynet is self-aware. Skynet, it, had, it runs all the Terminator's machines, but Skynet is a mind. Skynet is an artificial intelligence, one singular t- artificial atten- intelligence that became self-aware. It right. creates all these other machines in its image or whatever, and it could probably create an AI like itself, but I don't know why it would do that or why it would feel it needs to do that. But it's an entity. It's a, it's a you know, what you say is Skynet can learn. Skynet it has a consciousness like we do. Yeah. So I think it chose that form. Maybe there wasn't somebody. If there wasn't, you know, somebody who created it, it chose that form. It made that form up because okay. that's that's it's making that decision. Uh, the T-1000 exhibited a lot of behavioral quirks in this movie that machines aren't supposed to now it had more emotion in a way yeah now arnold did too but his was like learning mode and it could be attributed to him just copying what john's taught him yeah and the problem with arnold though is is arnold if you watch a lot of his other films he's not a very emotional actor right no matter why this role is perfect it's perfect for him but but you know he's done a couple kind of things where you're like oh that's that's pretty good you know true lies he was really good or or the daycare one you know maybe (laughs) the the one he did there i mean he didn't even really show a lot of emotion in there i mean now twins he kind of should you could kind of seen a lot more emotion from from arnold in that one, well, in emotion, I mean, what kind of emotion? Like, you know, it could, you're, you talk about like, you know, ego, egotistical or, or well, something it, like that. Because I mean, the predator, he was a badass. He knew he was a badass, yeah. and you know, he knew he could, you know, out shit talk or whatever, whoever in the room. You yeah, know? but I mean, you look at twins where Danny DeVito is an extremely emotional actor, no matter what he does. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, uh, you know, Danny DeVito's genius when it comes to acting. I mean, he's he's such a good actor. But, you know, then you get somebody like Arnold, which is a very emotional actor, but uh, or uh, not a very emotional actor. And then you get somebody like Robert Patrick, who is is an emotional actor in a lot of stuff that you seem like the unit and things like that. But he's always like that military um, uniformed, uh, straightforward kind of person. But I mean, he shows a lot more emotion, but. That's why I would want to ask James Cameron, you know, the only question I would ever ask him is why Robert Patrick? Yeah. Was there something behind him? Because he had only done like a bit part in Die yeah. Hard 2 and a few other things. And that was that would be my only question is why Robert Patrick? Because 
I, I mean, not, not that it was wrong. Like James Cameron said that Robert Cat, uh, Patrick look cat, looks cat-like. So he looked predatorial while at the same time being uh, okay. obviously okay. less imposing than Arnold. Then so maybe go. that because he said Arnold, if Arnold is a tank, then the T-1000 is a Porsche. You know, it's more sleek. It's more uh, uh, stealthy. It's it's yeah. it's a better design. It's better technology yeah. or whatever. Whereas Terminator's brute force. But I think it's Skynet because why not? Why wouldn't it? Yeah. Right? Why would he? Why would Skynet trust a two Terminators being sent back in time who can't think for themselves and just follow orders to do that when Skynet can go? I can go back. Try to kill John, and at the same time, make sure that I happen. Well, they 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 considered the T one thousand basically a backup plan because if that T T eight hundred didn't succeed, that T one thousand was the backup plan. And I think and it I uploaded think it's a last it ditch effort to to change, you know, to keep not even change the future because the the Terminators that were sent back were not meant to change fate because again, John Connor was outside of fate and I, and I said that last episode you know that in a sense he was the only character the outside of fate. he's the decision maker he's the only ones outside of fate i kind of feel like i think it, and we, i think we settled on it was both of them because i think you make those decisions he made those decisions to send he didn't have to send his dad back he made that decision but didn't give him this information this information yeah he made the decision to send the t-800 back but didn't do this this and didn't have him make this decision so he made that decision but then let fate take over past that. Yeah, yeah. And and like you said, you know, that's got to be Skynet's last-ditch effort to upload. You know, again, we're not taking the other movies into account here because, you know, they're right. not These two are the only handed. that ever happened. Yeah, so so it was kind of a last-ditch effort because they already lost the war. So they were basically trying anything possible. They didn't even know this would work. You yeah, know, I one mean, for Sarah, one for John. Yeah, and they didn't know that any They'd of them They'd send one for the dad, too, if they knew who the dad was. Yeah, because, I mean, it was literally a, you know, for a computer mind, you know, this is a 50-50 chance that this was going to work for that for Skynet. You know what I mean? Just and like both times a, they ended up... Failing. Failing. You know, but, but it still was kind of a last-ditch effort. But, you know, those kind of numbers... Why wouldn't you send your most powerful thing back, including the Skynet mind and everything else? I, if I was on a Skynet, 50, 50 50 chance on a computer mind because it was a prototype. So obviously, for some somehow the T eight hundred that came back in, in T two, it knew about the T one thousand, even though it was a prototype. It knew about, and that's probably why John, how John found out or whatever, even yeah. though none of the other soldiers knew. Obviously, John lived through it too, but. Um, T-800 knew about it. Maybe the T-800 learned about it from John and then had yeah. him teach it to him when he was yeah. younger or whatever. Either way, I think that the, I think what happened was Skynet sent the other Terminator back and then it uploaded itself into um, the T-1000 because, look, the T-1000, it doesn't have, like, it might have some kind of a microchip, but I think every bit, every molecule of the T-1000 is a mind is a processor so that's why it's so highly advanced and and i think that sky because look whenever he uh whenever he saw that mannequin 
in the store when he was fighting Arnold and the mannequin was all silver. He looked at it and frowned and walked away. That was emotion. Like, what the heck is that? Yeah. Knowing what he looks like. And at that point of the movie, it was kind of like a little clue because we hadn't seen him become that yet. Yeah. We saw him get shot and have little metal there, but we hadn't seen him become, you know, completely metal. So he, he kind of frowned at that. You know, when he um, shook his finger at Sarah at the end, when he walked up behind that guy who was getting coffee, he could have just stabbed him right there and dragged him away. But he waited for him to turn around and took joy in doing that. When he was chasing John, it seemed like he could catch up to him if he wanted to, but he was just playing with him. Like he got some kind of satisfaction after trying to kill John. Satisfaction killing these people to yeah. uh, as as he goes along. And he, like I said, he shows emotion. You know, he's, he'll smile or whatever. You know, whenever he said there was a big guy here with the bike, nah, no, I wouldn't worry about him. You know, real cocky about it. Like, I'm going to take out this. Well, this. and to be able to mimic humans like he was supposed to, you know, and th that he did several times in the movie, he had to show some sort of emotion as well. You know, like when he mimicked uh, John's uh, foster mother, you know, the father didn't know any difference, but, you know, the father would have known if the, you know, if it was acting like Arnold Schwarzenegger's Terminator. You know, it, it, he would have looked at it, you know, he would have had to act with more emotion or else that father would have been like, it's a machine. He should it. have been completely focused on the phone call. No matter if there's somebody screaming next to him, he should have been able to focus and everything and just talk to this person. But he acted in anger because this person's annoying him. The dog gave him away. So he went and killed the dog. Yeah, he was checking the collar. But he could have looked at the collar or he could have just walked away saying, OK, the, the phone call didn't work. But yeah. he went out there and killed the dog. And, you know, so it was it's one of these things like doing things that it doesn't really need to do. That's why I believe that it was Skynet. And maybe he left. We saw how a part of him got detached and hooked on the car and then it became part of him again. Yeah. Maybe he left a part of him behind somewhere to jumpstart Skynet, uh, some kind of artificial intelligence. I don't know. I mean, that you you could get into different explanations yeah. like that. But. You know, I, I I don't know. I that, that's that's my opinion on the T one thousand. That's my opinion on why he goes back to Robert Patrick because he is Skynet. He has his own consciousness, and that's how he sees himself. That's how yeah. Skynet sees itself is in the shape. If it were to be in the shape of a human, it would see itself like Robert Patrick. Yeah. So that's why I think that's it's like uh, set. You know, it's idle or it's you know set back to normal. Uh, yeah. Uh, Point, so but uh, you know and, and you did mention the dog but we've, we've got to keep bringing this up because you know it's another german shepherd it's it's we find out it's actually john's dog so we we're thinking that you know the same dog from the first one well this is what i'm thinking was, right but the same dog from the first one that was at the hotel or motel <laughs> more like it <laughs> but at the motel that warned you know reese and Sarah to get out of the hotel before the Terminator came. That was seven years ago. Yeah, and then oh well, the time's kind of messed up because T two yeah. takes place or is was released seven years after it, but John's ten ten or thirteen now. So yeah. timelines are a little weird, but yeah, but but then we find out that you know Sarah picked up the dog. You know we th this is what I think. The Sarah picked up the dog because it's kind of like a, a Terminator tracker. You know, I mean this this dog knew who what a Terminator was. You know, I mean he he, he could sense it. You know what I mean. And that's why it was barking at the house. That's barking what, at the T-1000. Right, right. It was barking at the T-1000. But again, we find out that this same dog shows up in part two as well. You know what I mean? Yeah. He dies in part two, but he shows up in part two again. It's it's almost like, 
maybe James Cameron has always owned German Shepherds or something, and or maybe that was his own personal dog. Like or how something. maybe he likes Guns and Roses because he had Arnold carrying around the a shotgun inside the rose box. Yeah, and I think Guns and Roses actually produced a song for the soundtrack too. Right, so right. that might have been a little shout out to them, but. Yeah. But yeah, they finally hook up, and then uh, he finds out that he can order the Terminator around. Now, there's a scene where um, John gets pissed at the Terminator because he won't help him save his mom, and he calls some dudes over to help him get away, but then he figures out how to control the Terminator, and he goes, oh, you have to listen to what I say. And so these guys come over, and they're like, do you need help? And of course, John being that abrasive front that he's putting on, like I tell you, he goes, take a hide, you know, you jock, D-bag, and all this yeah. kind of stuff. And... Uh, so the Terminator goes to fight them, basically, and almost kills one of the guys. Mm -hmm. John has to stop him. John from the future didn't turn that setting off because he wanted John as younger to keep his pacifist ways and to teach this Terminator not to kill. Yeah. he It had to come from that young John. Yeah. Because then how would John learn? And that's, again... You know, playing at Sarah as well. Yeah. You know, the first movie was about giving his dad something. The second movie was like, uh, you know, a gift to his mother, saving her soul. Yeah. So, I mean, that's another clue, I think, that, that kind of supports my opinion on and it. And with, 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 you know, Linda Hamilton, right, she really upped her game. You know, in this movie, as far as her she's acting a, chops, and she's a badass. Yeah, you but, remember that silly, like light little, uh huh, innocent little yeah. waitress. And I'm you, still going back to the fact that I think that she's kind of she was always been kind of a, I don't, a bad. Well, and like I said in the last one, I think she had the potential, and now this is a potential realized yeah. because she was always like, uh, you know, she Kyle did most of it until the last like five ten minutes. And then in this movie, you see her in Cyberdyne, and she's got her biceps ripped, and she's like shooting towards the SWAT team, and she and you're just trying to match that with part one, Sarah riding on her little yeah. tiny scooter, yeah, and stuff like that. You're just but like, her her it's awesome her acting chops, especially in the video when she's uh, oh. they're they're in the the uh, mental institute. Yeah, you know we find Sarah in the mental institute, and you know she's been. She just got caught because she was trying to blow up a bunch of computers. You know, we're, we're figuring it's probably Cyberdyne or, you know, uh, she she was kind of in the dark at, uh, at this point. You know, she she didn't really know anything beyond what Kyle told her. I think what Kyle, she was doing when she got arrested was she was looking into any kind of company that was having advancements with computers or AI yeah. and she would target those. Yeah. So we're, we, we know that it's not necessarily Cyberdyne. I mean, does does Kyle even mention Cyberdyne in the first one? Yeah, he said Cyberdyne Systems Model okay. 101. Okay, so so she does know, you know, the company that's created it, right? Mm -hmm. Now, you know, we, we get into this mental institute, and she's there because, you know, and John's with a foster family, but she's there because, um, you know, she tried to blow this up, and she's she's still, you know, spouting off that the you know, Terminators are going to destroy, and Cyberdyne's going to destroy the world, and, and uh, you know, the machines are going to take over and everything else like that, and then... So we find out basically from six months, we think that she was there for about six months, right? Maybe, because he did say, you know, I'm recommending that you be here for another six for months. For another six months. And she said that if, if I've been here six months now and I've been good. I know? feel like it's only been about a year or two that she's been away from right. John. So, you know, she's she's in this video and he's, he, you know, she he's tr she's trying to play him. You know, she's trying to say, right. oh, uh, you know, I don't believe in any of this anymore. But, you know, he shows her the video of, and he knows of her six even, months previous. And he even tells her, he's like, I know, I know how smart you are. Yeah. 
And so, but that emotion that Linda Hamilton showed in that video alone was just phenomenal. And and the way and they the, fall apart like leaves. Yeah, you know the way yeah. she's like describing her dream of these bodies just wasted away, falling apart like paper yeah. because of the nuclear fire. It's like a giant strobe light burning right through my eyes. Somehow I can still see. Children look like burnt paper. Black. Not moving. And then the blast wave hits them. And they fly apart like leaves. Dreams, cataclysm, the end of the world are very common. It's not a dream anymore, it's real. I know the date it happens. I'm sure it feels very real to you. On August 29th, 1997, it's gonna feel pretty fucking real to you, too. Anybody not wearing two million sunblock is gonna have a real bad day, get it? God, you think you're safe and alive? You're already dead, everybody. Him, you, you're dead already. This whole place, everything you see is gone. You're the one living in a fucking dream, Solomon. But it's just, it's crazy how, how she gets to that point, you know, and, but her acting chops have just increased. Yeah. I mean, she's just so Is much. Is she a better crier? Better actress. Oh yeah, absolutely. Because she said she was a bad crier in the last movie. Absolutely. In a way, well, we don't really see her crying in this movie, you know. She does, yeah. Whenever John runs in, she's about to kill Miles. She does a much better job in her eyes. Oh yeah, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. That, that scene. I, and, but you know, with, with the, when, when they're in the mental institute, you know, um, you find out basically, you know, right before the Terminator gets in there, she's not scared of anybody. She's not scared of the cops. She's not scared of the doctor. She's not scared of. of um, she's scared of Judgment Day. She's scared of Judgment so Day. That makes everything else not scary. So right. she's she's she doesn't care who she has to go through. What yeah. charges might be brought against her? Her sole purpose is to get back to John and get him into hiding. Yeah, and then the thing is, is we then when we're in the mental institute, we actually find out what person or what thing she's actually afraid of and that would be that skin model 101 yeah that and it would be the terminator that literally i mean she is just you know like face palming uh guards and and cops and and just stabbing you know stabbing the doctor in his knee and and needles and everything and she doesn't even care but the second that arnold comes out of that elevator she just loses it she She drops drops, and then she acts like the original sarah connor from the first movie and, and the fact that she can't even hear John screaming at her she's running back to these these she's running back away from him and and there's tons of 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 um you know orderlies and and um the doctor and all these other people she's running back to him and all she can be focused on is that terminator she doesn't even realize her own son which she's like you said she's probably been away for maybe a year she under you know any mother knows the voice of their child you know what i mean but she can't even hear john screaming at her and saying that it's okay it's okay it's okay you know because all she can focus on is that terminator and the fear she has for that terminator in particular and you see how it brought back the human emotion in her yeah because before it was she switched everything off she was basically a machine and it's only when she takes those drugs or she's given those drugs she sees Kyle again and she becomes yeah. less she becomes human again 
and then like they wear off. It's like they they're the those drugs are the only thing that kind of bring her back down to reality, not reality, but you know, dreamlike state where you know she's more human, and then she gets back to reality where she's like this machine again. But um, yeah, so uh, we have the awesome scene where he melts through the bars, super iconic, chases them out of the uh, the uh, the hospital, and they're on the run. Now we have two sets of twins in this movie. I, Linda Hamilton's uh, twin sister. And also the guard that he kills that's getting the coffee. That's how they did the effect of having oh. one and then having the T-1000 turn into him. That, that, that's twins. Okay. So it's just two brothers standing right. I feel but, like I've seen those twins in a movie before. Yeah, they were in... Uh, oh, geez. What would they, uh, they... They were in something really famous. Was it a Pee Wee Herman thing? I can't remember. They they have been in, in movies where you go, oh, yeah, there they are. You know, I think it was comedy a uh, comedy one or whatever, but... Um, so, uh, yeah, so, and then uh, we get to the part where they get, they go into a, uh, they're hiding out in a garage and they, they flip the, uh, the learning switch on for the T-800. Um, but in that scene, they have uh, a scene in the mirror where you have them taking out his head and to do that effect, you had, uh, Arnold standing, it wasn't a mirror, it was a glass and so you had Arnold and uh, a stand-in for John and Linda Hamilton's twin sister on this side. And on this side, you had the real Linda Hamilton. You had real Edward Furlong and a dummy of Arnold's head that they could actually open up. So Such a dummy. Cool, really cool, old-school trick for top, but but it looks fantastic. It's yeah. not something that you go, yep, that's animated. Yeah. That's CGI. Yeah. And you, that you could tell is CGI, you know. Yeah. It just it, it looks so good and still holds up today. Man, I'm, so, getting, I'm getting like a push of energy. I, this always happens when I talk about movies, but like you know, when we first started, I was just like kind of, but yeah, tired yeah, now. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's quite late, you know. But now I'm just kind of getting a bigger push here. <laughs> That's what good movies do. Yes. And in this scene, we get to uh, see them turn it off. Now, <clears throat> can we reverse it just a second? Yeah, I just want to say real quick okay. on this scene that we're about to get into. Um, a lot of people don't know it because they've never seen this version. This scene was actually cut from the main theatrical version. So if you've only seen that, you've never seen the scene, try to find the special edition. I believe it's like 156 minutes or something like that. But it has this scene where uh, John and Sarah uh, take out uh, T-800's chip and turning on the learning mode and put the chip back in so that the T-800 can now start to learn because John needs to teach it how to learn the value of human life and all that. In the regular version, it just happens. Yeah. You know, you, you don't see that scene. You just see him start learning. And it's kind of like you lose that cool scene. Yeah. And the only reason he cut it was because, you know, the, the twins might not match up when they're doing yeah. stuff in the mirror. And it's presumed, whatever. you know, and all that other stuff. Yeah, I just really like that scene. What were you going to... Um, I was going to go back to the, you know, um, his Edward Furlong's or John Connor's friend, you know, sees the picture... But the, the famous, yeah, the famous picture of Sarah Connor, right? You know, with From the dog the first next one. to her, yeah, and then, the you know, station. pregnant and all that other stuff. But you know, it, it, it's that'll it's, one day go to Kyle. Yeah, the one day go to Kyle. But this picture is, I believe, in 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 other movies. You know, after even T uh, two. Uh, you know, think of all the people that have touched that picture before it made it to Kyle. Oh, I know and that we saw it in the first movie, or until it made it to John again. You know, or I mean, well, no, I guess John would have had it the entire time. I was the last point. one that had it because remember it burned up. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. that picture is is kind of like a character in this movie. It really is in these movies. You know, I mean, it, a lot it's, of legacy with that. It, or a lot, a of, lot of legacy, but yeah. it, it it without that picture, do you really think Kyle Reese might have 
not been as infatuated with her, you know, not knowing what she looks like and everything else. Probably John wouldn't have been born if he didn't have that picture because exactly. um, uh, he probably still would have volunteered to go back because he's a soldier, but yeah. it would have been a duty thing. Yeah. <laughs> duty. Um, duty. No, but it would have been a duty thing um, because, uh, but he, he wouldn't have had enough time to fall in love with her. Exactly. Now she, I mean, she only knew him for, <coughs> excuse me, she only knew him for like a week or two or a day or two. And yeah. she fell in love with him, so he might have. I don't know, yeah. but but he might not have. He might not have felt comfortable doing that because yeah. remember, he didn't have any relationships. The only reason he was comfortable doing that is because he loved her, and he even yeah. told her, "I love you." And then afterwards, he goes, "That I'm sorry, I shouldn't have said that." Yeah, you know, because he's going back to his mission brain. So, yeah. yeah, he had that picture for a long. He and remember, he said John Connor gave it to me. I used to stare at it at all, every chance I get. Yeah. I memorized everything and. That's what made him fall in love with. He's, he was in love with her before he came back. So, so that picture, in a way, is is a character in this film. And and again, like you said, you know, I don't know if it's a guarantee that John would have been born if it wasn't for that picture as well. Yeah. You know, and 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 you know, it, it it's kind of a character, and it's it's really an important part of these movies is that picture alone. You know, I mean, yeah, the Terminator's coming back. That's important too, even though it's bad. You know, it's still important to the story. Kyle coming back, but. That picture is a very, very important part of these films as well because, you know, again, it, he wouldn't have been able to give it to Kyle and Kyle wouldn't have been so infatuated, I don't think, with her as much and maybe not have made a move, you know, kind of thing. I mean, not that he really kind of did make a move. I mean, besides telling her he loved her and everything, but she was the one that kind of, you know, pushed that along, you know what I mean? But right. again, that picture, I think, is just vital to the story. Yeah. <clears throat> Yeah, so uh, I know we went back a little bit on that one, but oh no, yeah. it's fine. I like I like that we got a little hint at uh, John having some hacking skills, which means he's probably good with computers, which would make sense because yeah. in the future he'll probably have to hack into different facilities that they're breaking into, trying to destroy. Another thing his mother taught him how to do, you know, and all yeah. that other stuff. So. I, I'd expect him to be more of a tech wizard than he was, but I mean, back in 1991, you didn't really have much there. I mean, I'm sure you had. Well, stuff you, that we don't know you about. Saw, you saw Dyson's computer. I mean, that computer was ancient. You know what I mean? To, for what it was, he was trying to do and create with it, yeah. it was very, very old, ancient. All the computers were ancient compared to the ones now. That Played we have, by the you know? amazing Joe Morton. Which, it, it, you know, his his he's another one of these just phenomenal actors. I mean, yeah, great, granted, he, he's very pigeon-toed. Into, <laughs> pigeon-holed. Into, pigeon-holed into his roles. But, you know, I mean, he... he plays a lot of scientists and stuff like that but he does it so well and and his emotion in these movies you know just when when like the terminator's telling him his story right you know and telling him you know what he's going to be basically yeah. do you know you could just see him he's sitting there just kind of like dead you know inside you know what i mean realizing that he killed you know just like sarah said that he killed 6 billion or not not 6 billion 3 billion people yeah you know for some something that he he was just trying to do innocently by you know providing for you know pilots and stuff so that you didn't have you know things happen and and whatnot you know and 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 he his his whole aspect of it was was he was trying to create this to help humanity not to hurt humanity. and when he learned about what it actually did to humanity he yeah. was absolutely devastated everything yeah. his whole life his purpose he felt like his whole purpose was to bring about the end of the world and yeah, of course that would make you. I mean, he was crazy rich. Yeah. You could look at his house. That was a house in California on the beach. 
Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. I mean, that's an ex- – and back then, you know, that's an expensive house and stuff. So, I mean, this guy – decided it didn't take much he just saw that robot robot arm he's like oh my gosh and so it didn't take much he heard that and he was willing to give up the rent and and towards the end he was even willing to give up give up his life to make sure that he wasn't the one and none of his work would have led to that now it's still going to lead to that i i think he had because you know his wife was trying to get him to take you know take a break take his kids to to a theme park and things like that, you know, and he was like, no, 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 you know, I, I need to, I need to get this done. This is important to humanity, you know, and, and that's what he was thinking. But I think the reason that, you know, he did give up his life was not so much just for humanity. I think a lot of it had to do with his kids because he probably thought in his head, you know, look, I haven't really done much for my kids. I've put my work ahead of them and, and above them, you know, uh, that was more important to me, but yet, you know, I don't want my kids growing up and living into this this kind of future. And the fate quote applies to him as well, because <clears throat> there are those that might say, well, him destroying all his work after the Terminator said the man most responsible for creating Skynet is Miles Dyson. Yeah. <clears throat> so people would say, well, he was the, one, the man most responsible and they destroyed all that stuff. So they had to have changed the past. I don't think so. I think that he had pushed that work so far. You don't think they're going to have government entities monitoring that work that are going to continue on with it? And do you think it solely kept into that one particular uh, um, building, or building, building or, yeah. or company or yeah. whatever? So, I mean, the fact that the, the, the fact that, you know, they destroyed his work. He's still closely. He uh, he's still the one more most cl- closely responsible for it because of all his work he had done towards it. Um, he had done the legwork, and somebody else could just take over. Yeah, they destroyed all those documents and stuff. Guaranteed, you got some somewhere else. You got backups. You got people up at top that don't trust yeah. him or whatever, and are saving their own whatever stuff. But he took his in. Our you know the future's not set. Uh, fate is what we make for ourselves. Myson, uh, Miles Dyson decided to make a fate for himself where. He did as best as he could to make sure he wasn't directly responsible for it. Now, somebody's going to continue his work. He had already done that. There's nothing he can do about that. But he took, you know, he took, instead of just saying, oh, you know, trying to call the cops and or not taking him into Cyberdyne so somebody could, you know, finish his work, he decided to take his legacy and and make sure that he made right on it and, and, yeah. and destroyed what he could. Now it's out of his hands even because yeah. he died. He destroyed his stuff, but he's dead. Now it's he was on able to somebody else's own fate. Yeah, now the blood is on somebody else's hand because he made the decision to try to stop it. But you and, can't stop it, it, but he you know. For all we know that this still, you know, the whole end of the world thing could have already been happening even with Miles Dyson dying. You know, as far as we know, Miles Dyson dying was all part of the plan anyways which is what i think it always happened i think yeah. you know john when he sent back the ta hundred he knew miles dyson was gonna die yeah. he knew because it had already happened yeah because i mean i'm sure the terminator wasn't uploaded with information about you know necessarily how he died or you know it wasn't important enough it was just important enough that he's the one that created the work from the get-go you know what i mean and so you know the terminator could say oh yeah well he's the one number one responsible but you know, it might have not been uploaded that, well, yeah, he was the number one responsible, but he also died trying to destroy his own work, but his work came, you know, continued on. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And like we said, you know, getting towards the end there, you know, Sarah started to, um, when, when she saw, you know, the son jump in front of her, uh, the father to not have her shoot the, you know, stay away from my daddy. Don't hurt my daddy. Um, 
you know, maybe she had flashes of John or whatever. She made the decision to stop before John and them stopped her. Yeah. Um, what made her feel that? Maybe, you know, she's she knows that because when she left, remember, she was uh, talking about how in an insane world, it was the sanest choice. And, and, yeah. and she meant leaving John with the Terminator because he would never get sick. He would never be too busy for him. He would never hurt him. You know, he'd never get drunk and slap him around. He would always be there for yeah. him and protect him, give his life for him. And she said that right before she goes to Dyson. And I think it occurred to her that that's more human. That's more human than most humans. You know, I mean, now I think yeah. most fathers would do that and everything yeah. like that. But you have some that wouldn't do that. Yeah. But the fact that this Terminator could learn that and could be there. Now, he was programmed to uh, he was programmed to do that anyways. Yeah. But the learning mode. It, it, it had an effect on on Sarah. It made her think, you know, that that and, and, and she saw that he was starting to understand the value of human life, even if he couldn't empathize with it. Yeah. Well, so, the plus, you know, Sarah learned an, a lesson. So when she came up to Miles's house. I think that's what came through her mind. And then she finally said, you came to stop me to John when he came in. And he's like, of course, you know. And she saw that as, of course, I, I care about you. I, this is what it's about. Yeah. Each other, us, yeah. keeping us alive, keeping our you could have killed him, but I came to stop you to save your soul from from becoming more like a machine. Yeah. And she goes, I love you, John, you know, and, yeah. and so I think she started to come back to the real world, come back to what it means to value human life. Well, and John looked moment. at her like like she had never said that to him before, you know. And he was blown away. Yeah, yeah. That's all he wanted. Yeah, and, and and I think, you know, again, you know, like I said before, you know, all her mind was focused on you know Kyle Reese. You know what I mean, and, and that's why far, I said as that. far as her person, like she, right. she had no real, real connections. Yeah, she knew this guy Enrique, but you know when he was like, "Oh, just you know, we don't have any car. Come on, Enrique, give us a car. Yeah, give us a car. You know, almost like he owed it to her. Not, not like, hey, give me a car because we're friends and we're close. Give me a car because you owe it. to Well, me. and all those weapons were hers. Yeah. She was, he was just keeping watch over it and everything. And I'm yeah. sure. That they probably had a lot of stuff they owned together whenever they were doing whatever crimes they were doing together or whatever. Yeah. But this is why in the first one I said that Sarah's the most important piece of this story, the linchpin and everything. We know John's fate. We know what happens. Yeah. You know, we know that he wins the war, blah, blah, blah. We don't know Sarah's fate. Yeah. We don't know what happens to her. We yeah. know that... John, uh, Kyle called her a legend yeah. and everything. How did she get to that point? How does she does she get tough? Does she does she teach him love and and, and uh, love more than combat, or does she teach him combat more than love or whatever? Yeah. And so that's what this is about: is seeing how she is, how she's going over the edge, and being exactly what she you know what is the problem with humanity in the first place, and then coming back and realizing that yeah, you have this future and everything, but we shouldn't throw all that you know our, our humanity away just to save a future um because at that point what's the point you know if you're if you're no longer acting like a human then what's the point yeah you know but it just you know it just and and i know i'm going back to you know some of the future movies you know the, the other movies but you know we kind of learned that basically Sarah Connor just pretty much dies of old age, you know? Uh, oh, at the end of this movie? Yeah, at the end of this movie, I mean, yeah, you know, that's She had that leukemia and all the others. Yeah, yeah. In but, the Sarah Connor Chronicles Part 3, it's always known that she had leukemia. Right, but she's also a lot older. I mean, she she makes it to a to a pretty, pretty fair age. You know, you kind of assume, 
you know, with a lot of these movies, you know, she's a legend and all this other stuff. But in a way, you know, Sarah Connor doesn't go out by a Terminator. No, and they even say that um, she um, she actually got diagnosed with leukemia before 1997, before Judgment Day, and they only gave her a couple months to live. But she uh, she baffled doctors by staying alive just long enough to make sure Judgment Day didn't happen, and she died after that. Yeah. So you know, out of pure will, yeah, keeping herself alive or whatever. But I mean, yeah, she made it just past the point of Judgment Day, and it didn't happen. Yeah. Of course, that's in those other ones that we don't count because yeah. in this one, I believe it still happened. Yeah, but it happened. It's always going to happen. John wants to make sure we save humanity, and the way he does that is he's got to have it realized in his mom. Yeah. If he can do that, then he can stick with it. If he can't, he might become like her, and then not be able to have them win the war. He needs to know what they're fighting for. He needs yeah. to make sure that human life is at the top. You know, it's valued at the top of everything even over whatever missions you have because what's the point if you don't have that yeah exactly. so anyways we get uh we get to the point where she uh she's like let's go destroy cyberdyne this scene is awesome yeah. it really just starts i mean this train that just barrels through until the very very end and yeah. it's just nothing but action piece after action piece. There's the Cyberdyne, you know, uh, set piece, and then there's the escaping from Cyberdyne set piece, and then there's the uh, the helicopter versus uh, SWAT truck scene, and then that ends, and then it's a tanker versus a little small truck yeah. scene, <laughs> and then it's the steel mill scene, you know, and that goes she, on she, for a she while. Gets, it, she seems to always end up in some sort of metal processing plant, some kind of some a big manufacturing. Manufacturing yeah. deal, whether it's computer parts or automotive parts versus you know steel manufacturing. It's, it's like every whatever. everywhere she drives in California, at the end of that road happens to be some sort of uh, way to destroy a Terminator. Hey, John brought him in there. Remember, he was driving. Yeah, I know, but, but I mean, a lot of it he was like pushed. That by road the truck. Didn't, they didn't make any turns at that point. You know, I mean, he pretty much just a straight shot. And this. one of the best scenes when like he the jumps. highway directly goes to. I mean, they did get the they, exit. They, they took you know. the exit, but you, uh, how you, know, you had mentioned how much you like that shot where he jumps out of the truck, gets on the oh, hood of the semis, and sprays him right in the face, and then wrenches the wheel, and the whole thing flips over, nitroglycerin, and it's like a false ending, right? Yeah, because. You think that's going to be it. Hasta la vista, baby. Boom. He blows him up. He's done, right? You got that arm. Remember I told you I wanted to say about that arm. It makes you think they have that arm because it makes you remember when he's fighting the T-1000 and he yeah. loses yeah. his arm, you still have hope that the Terminator is going to make it because you're like, oh, they'll just replace. Now they have a spare arm so they can re they can fix that. Yeah. Uh, like it's two, okay. He two, doesn't have two an arm. right handed arms. <laughs> no, because it wasn't his left hand. Uh, wasn't it a left hand? Uh, yeah, I, think I can't so, remember. Maybe. But, you know, that maybe maybe if that's if it is a left arm, maybe that's what they were trying to, like, give you a little bit of hope that the T-800, the good Terminator that's like a father figure might make it past this movie movie you know well, what i was thinking about that it was the, like oh, and, sorry i was just saying and then there was a pause when he's like will this burn up in there too and the t800 kind of slowly towards turns towards him instead of just saying yeah throw it in there's a pause where he just realizes it's not over yet yeah and he has to burn up the arm and then you realize oh this might not this not might not be yeah. a happy ending like you thought it was going to be with you know, Mr. Cuddly T-800 making it to the end. Yeah, but the problem with it, did, did you notice that? That his his arm was in that in those gears, and it didn't fully, like, smash in. How do we know that 
they didn't do a repeat of the first one and grab that arm and take it to another scientist and this said, is what I'm saying. How do yeah. we know microscopic little bits of the T-1000 wasn't being dropped off to embed into computers and make computer viruses and yeah. ultimately Sky, there's Skynet. Yeah. You know, or something and like taking that. Taking the or, T-800's arm and saying, okay, now uh, we lost this arm, but we got another yeah. one. You know? There's no telling how it's happening. I mean, it's got to happen the same way if we're saying they don't change time, but... I don't know. I think that was an oops in a way. If if somebody was really paying attention and saying, okay, you know, this is kind of the same situation that happened. I feel like they may, from- maybe they think it's so crushed because it was pretty crushed in yeah. that thing that maybe a cleanup crew who's going through just sees metal and trashes it with metal. It doesn't get noticed by anybody who would be able to do anything with or it, it could be like the whole reason skynet exists it could be it could you know? be that's why <laughs> skynet that's why it took until 1997 is because now yeah. they're set back after miles's research was destroyed but they have this arm again and uh they have the research on the chip and everything so now it's just going to take a little bit longer to 1997 yeah. maybe if miles dyson never died judgment day would have taken place like a week later yeah, yeah. you never know yeah and you it, know maybe a- that maybe in him dying and them doing what they did they just delayed it but they had always delayed it and always supposed to be delayed until 1997 and this is the problem with, with time travel yeah, and this movies. is why we try not to get into it <laughs> i don't like time i travel try to movies. Ex- i mean i love this movie but i i really don't yeah like time and for ourselves movies. we try to explain it like okay well the skynet sent back two terminators that's why I, so we're trying to explain it but that's because that's what makes sense it's to a me. bunch of what ifs yeah. basically so anyways yeah we have all those set pieces where it's just one thing after another another and it's driving and, and you saw the frustration in in sarah connor when they said oh well we have to go get the arm and the microchip and she's like son of a gun she's like and she goes i knew it, it. Yeah. i knew it you know and, and and i think that confirms that 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 uh factory they were in in part one i think that was cyberdyne because he said the company covered it up Meaning yeah. the company whose factory that yeah. was, so that and it looked like they were into manufacturing something. Yeah, you know they had metal, oh, they, they had presses and everything. Extremely, yeah. Mean. So they probably took that and it's like, ooh, let's run with this. And then suddenly, you know, within two years, they you know they had defense contracts yeah. saying, hey, we want to fund your research because you're onto something. And Sarah Connor's almost, you know, she's halfway grateful for time travel. But it almost seems like she's just as much frustrated with the time travel and the way that it works and trying to understand it. And what if this happens and this doesn't happen? That's what I think it frustrates her just as much as it does the audience and the people that really watch movies to watch movies, not the popcorn eaters, you know, but just watch movies and really analyze it. You know, it it probably frustrates her as much as it, you know, frustrates the audience. Yeah. And that's why I believe that this, that there's no changing the future or there's no changing the past because, it would be a paradox if they would. She's wanting to stop Judgment Day. Judgment Day is the reason that John exists. Yeah. It's the reason she got to meet Kyle. So she's trying to save her son, but if she does that, he'll never exist. And that's yeah. where the paradox lies yeah. and everything. So that's why I believe that in our human brains, we believe that we could change it. But what happened always happened yeah. that way. Yeah. And you not doing anything, it always happened you didn't. You doing something about it, trying to change it, you always did that. Yeah. And that's what led to this. Yeah. So, you, you know, you like I said, you can get confused and, and get into these different things, but... It's th- very frustrating, you know? It really is. This movie is an absolute thrill ride from start oh, to yeah. finish. It's not only an action movie where you're just, like, seeing images of action, you're just like, ooh, ah, but it's fun. 
Yeah. It's roller coaster fun, you know, where you're just like, like I said, you know, as soon as it dun 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 and it clamps down and Ardo comes back, you have a race to get to John, and yeah. then it's a race to get to Sarah, yeah. and then it's you know, and then it's you know, you have your little story mm-hmm. piece where let's teach the Terminator, let's get into the story of it, let's get into John's psyche, to Sarah's psyche, to the Terminator's psyche, yeah. and then it's back into the action yeah. again, you know, and it's just nonstop until the end. There's a reason why this is still considered to be the greatest action blockbuster of all time to this day. You know, the effects hold up. You got movies from four or five years ago that the effects don't hold up anymore. Yeah. This one, there's maybe one, two, if you're really trying to look for them. There's maybe one or two things where you could be like, ah, like when they're driving at night, when they've escaped the T-1000, you can tell that there's screens behind them, projected screens, and they're just in a car that's stable. Yeah. You know, different things like that. Okay. Fine, yeah. whatever. You know, they spent a lot of money doing other stuff. They can s- save money here, and it still looks all right. Now, let me ask you this, <clears throat> and this can apply to all movies, really, and, and, and everything, but do you kind of feel like you, if we weren't doing a podcast, <clears throat> do you think you would enjoy this movie a little bit more in the sense of, uh, you know, when you watch it again? You know, because I noticed, you know, since doing podcasts and stuff like that, I've, I've gotten a lot more analytical about yep. watching them. And, you know, every once in a while, I kind of feel myself, I'm like, man, you know, I just kind of wish I could just enjoy it, you know, just be a popcorn eater. But at the same time, I'm like, you know, I've seen this you probably movie enjoy several it times. More. Yeah, in a way I do, you know, and instead of just sitting back and saying, oh, I'll just watch this movie to watch this movie, you know. But now, you know, I find myself taking notes. I find myself, you know, really just picking out little pieces in here. And, yeah. and you know, I used to get frustrated with my wife a lot because she, she – when she watches a movie, she kind of picks things out of that yeah. movie that really don't matter. Yeah, she's just nitpicking. She's yeah. just trying to create problems. That's true. <laughs> you know, but she's not trying to be analytical because she's just like, well, why did that happen? You know, yeah. and it's the Rachel movie because then we wouldn't have a movie. Yeah, absolutely. I felt the same way, dude. Yeah. I felt the same way because, uh, it, and it's good and bad because when I'm watching stuff, actually, when I'm watching stuff that's not for the podcast, I can just enjoy it. I don't really have to analyze it. Oh, I agree with I you. I actively that. know I'm watching something for the podcast. Uh, yeah, I'm going to analyze it. And it can be frustrating, but not really because usually it just happens when I'm watching something for the podcast and I yeah. need to pay attention anyways. Yeah. So, and even if something that I watched a million times, guaranteed I will pick up on a bunch of new stuff when I'm doing it for the podcast because- you're just going to analyze it more. It's it's opened up a whole new world of of feeling for yeah. movie watching and everything. I'm so, I'm so glad we did it for movies like this. I don't know that I would see this movie like I do now. You know, it's a fun movie if you're not analyzing it anyways. Yeah. But it's even more if you get behind maybe even what not even what James Cameron intended but the things he meant to leave open for you to interpret yourself Mm -hmm. you can create this whole thing and and it just hits you and it's that much more powerful and it's the power of storytelling the good storytelling um i don't know i i just i think that's uh there there's a lot good things about this there's uh there's there's so much about this movie that revolutionized so many things um it's it's uh, it was a huge blockbuster them a hit of a movie a fantastic movie you have certain movies like the first terminator the, the effects don't hold up nowadays but yeah. the story still does and it still has 100 percent on rotten tomato even with the bad effects or, yeah. or just outdated effects they were still mm-hmm. good then yeah. but they're just outdated it still gets 100 percent because it's a good story yeah you, if you have 
certain effects and a bad story, guaranteed you're not your movie's not going to last because the story is what holds it through. You know, if you have great special effects and a bad story, your movie's not going to last because eventually those special effects are going to go away and then you're left with a crap story. (laughs) Yeah, I don't know what happened. Terminator 2 looks... Well, and you know, Avatar is basically, uh, you know, like what? Like 85% CGI or something like that. So um, I got a question for you. Ripley or Sarah Connor? Uh... I think I gotta say Ripley. I gotta say Ripley because you know Ripley. Ripley was was kind of you know thrown into it and and you know through almost every single one of the movies, she was used even though she she didn't want any of it. Sarah Connor after the first one, even throughout the first one, she didn't want any of it, but she went like a hundred percent head on into it. I like Ripley because it was almost more natural. So you feel like maybe of a a heroine. Sarah was much more prepared than Ripley was. Yes, because Sarah went into it and it was like, okay, now I'm going to try to be a bad. Whereas Ripley was like a struggle, which made it more interesting. Yeah, yeah, made it more interesting, but you know, kind of brought more natural being of a a bad butt than than where Sarah Connor was striving for it. You know, where Ripley was already that way, no matter what. You know, and she was. I mean, come on. I mean. I would rather go up against a robot than I would one of those crazy aliens. I don't know the, the xenomorphs. They they freak me out a little bit. They they're they're like top echelon, and any sci-fi movie that has any kind of alien always matches up to that. And there's one thousands because, of them, and there's thousands. I mean, we're we're Terminator. You're going against you know the first one. Terminator's very uh, not super powerful. I mean, it's strong, but it's you know it's. Somebody alien a, human, a human was able to beat it. Yeah, aliens are more like horror movies where they hide until they get you. Yeah. Whereas a Terminator's coming right at you, full barrel. Oh, yeah. You you know where he's going and you can run. Whereas uh, alien, not so much or whatever. But uh, I I think you know one on one fight Ripley versus uh, Sarah. Sarah's gonna win any time because she's a soldier. Agreed. Ripley's not a soldier. Agreed. Ripley is a, and you know Sigourney Weaver too is actually anti guns and everything. Yeah. But uh, you know Ripley is 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 somebody who never had any crazy skills she got she she finished these aliens off by the skin of her teeth just barely it's not like she was full-on action going against them she just barely got you know even though she had badass moments like get away from her you know all that kind of stuff uh she never uh she she wasn't a, a fighter you know she it was lucky she had that suit it was lucky that she did this now she was awesome and she did great she was brave and everything but you know it was kind of these circumstances like you said that were just happening to her whereas Lin- uh, linda uh sarah connor was trained you know she's she's gonna go after the problem head on she's a fighter whereas ripley wanted really no part of it um but yeah i i think i think ripley has the more emotional uh um <clears throat> personality maybe even story or whatever but okay what about okay you said so you say sarah connor right uh as far as what like my favorite who would win a fight or what yeah are you talking yeah about? or ba- bad bad butt type sarah sarah sarah's ripley's got more interesting and she but if they were to go against each other i think sarah would come up on top i think she's more of a trained fighter Whereas Ripley is kind of making it up as she goes along. Okay, so now what about Sarah Connor against Laurie Strode? Uh, Sarah Connor. Really? <laughs> yeah, I'm going to pick Sarah. I mean, Laurie Strode is going against a serial killer. 
and these other two are going up against murderistic, futuristic robots that are almost indestructible, and an alien from other planets that are almost indestructible. Yeah, but you Michael talk- Myers is indestructible too, but he's easier to uh, uh, dispose of. They're just, you know, it's just horror movies make bad he's mistakes. Been, he's These been after people her. Horror movies are morons. Yeah, but he's been after her for a lot longer than, than, than uh, you know, the Terminator's been. After Sorry, Sarah but Connor. I just think that Terminator and, and, and aliens are and and xenomorphs aliens. are a much bigger threat than Michael Myers. I don't know. Michael Myers a threat. I'll give you that, but. Uh, you're, talking end, you're talking to end of the world the legend that's training the savior of mankind versus somebody whose brother in some canon <laughs> wants to kill her and everything. So. Can't die. Yeah. I don't know. Anyways, yeah. So we uh, we really enjoyed this movie. This was yeah. actually supposed to be our 50th episode. Um, uh, we we had a little break in our um, in our episodes because. Uh, we lost an episode um, because technology is awesome. <laughs> That's probably why we decided to terminate her after yeah. this because we wanted a bad mouth technology. Yeah. But um, so we lost an episode. This is actually supposed to be our 50th episode. This is actually episode 49. So stay tuned. Our next episode is going to be a 50th episode. We want it to be something special yeah. for our 50th. We have a couple ideas. We still haven't Gully. decided, but Fern most Gully. likely it's going to be Fern Gully. Yes. Um, either that or... Because it's better than Avatar, and we want to point that out. <laughs> either that or Return to Oz with Feruza Balk or something like yeah. that. <laughs> that, ben, horror, that horror movie. Or, or Ben-Hur, you know. Exactly. Gone with the... No, we would probably never do those. Yeah. So there's a little bit out of our... our uh, repertoire yeah so i gotta ask you the normal questions i asked you at the beginning what your favorite part was you said it was a relationship between john and the terminator i agree i think it's between john and the terminator that's the best part of it um i like the whole it's not my favorite scene though training say okay so what's your favorite scene when arnold gets up there and and sprays the t-1000 in the the face that is my favorite scene and it's very short very very quick you know but it, the fact that he got up there, it was just awesome. Because like when he get up there, you're just like, yes, and he's just like all up in his face. Yeah. You know, uh, mine was mine was uh, acquiring John Connor. So at the yeah. the right from the moment the T1000 sees him in the arcade and goes after him, and then he he runs into the Terminator, and you don't know. He's like, oh god, a big biker with a gun. Turn around, it's some cop that's after me. What do I do? And you just have this kid who's scared to death, trying to get away because he doesn't trust cops either no. like as much in and definitely not other uh big bulky yeah. guys with guns and he may not know and he may not know terminators are real doesn't believe it yet right but he just sees this guy coming at him with a gun he knows he doesn't know anything in this world his whole world's been shattered he doesn't know what to believe anymore because he doesn't believe his mom anymore what do i do it's just a scared scared kid and then when he sees these you know this terminator's getting shot and uh, doing all these things he's slowly realizing that this is all real my mom's not crazy and this is all happening right now and i'm all by myself what do i do and he has to run and the fact that he doesn't like crumple and just collapse and like He's so scared he can't do anything that he moves. He knows that he has the instinct to run. He does whatever it takes to get away. He gets yeah. away by the skin of his teeth. You know, it's just him finally getting into that world. And I do have this this written down, easy money, uh, whenever yeah. he does the easy money with his friend. And then yeah. the next day, he's in Cyberdyne, trying to take down Cyberdyne to change the future. And he, he gets the code. He opens and looks at the key. And it's just like real softly. He's like, easy money. And I feel like that's him realizing his childhood's gone. 
Yeah. And it just happened yesterday. He was stealing from an ATM, yeah. you know, having fun with his friend. Now he's getting this key that is important to the future of mankind to destroy this stuff. And he goes, easy money, just kind of a little joke. And he doesn't say it to anybody. Yeah. It's a joke to himself saying, you know, that was my childhood yesterday. I got to grow up now. Yeah. You know, it's time to really fight against this. So, uh, man, there's so much good about this. And we could probably talk yeah. about so many more things. But oh, yeah. Really enjoy talking about this, guys. Stick with us. Uh, see what our next uh, episode is going to be. It's our 50th episode. We're pretty excited to share that with you and to reach that milestone and everything. So um, if you guys want to get a hold of us, we're on all social media at The Post Credit Podcast, except for Twitter. We're at The Post Credit. Our email address is thepostcreditpodcast at gmail.com. We have a website. It's www.thepostcreditpodcast.com. Uh, we're also on YouTube. We appreciate you guys listening, and we'll see you next time. And Throw me a bone. The unknown future rolls toward us. I face it for the first time with a sense of hope. Because if a machine, a Terminator, can learn the value of human life, maybe we can too.